I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. Dan Lobby from Cleveland.com joins the show today. Dan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, Dan, I was hoping we could start out with the injury report for the teams. Yeah, for sure. The Browns are getting uh, hopefully three key players back. They return to practice on Monday. Uh, Mac Wilson, their starting linebacker, uh, who they really need in that group. Uh, Greedy Williams, who started last year at outside corner. You know, I don't know if he's going to step right back into a starting role, but he should be back. Uh, and Kevin Johnson, who is their uh, nickel corner, you know, he, he missed most of camp, but he should be back. He's an important addition if he's able to play. You know, keeping an eye on Olivier Vernon, who missed an abdominal injury, and Jack Conklin, who didn't play in that game either. Those are two key pieces uh, that if they can't go, that wouldn't be good for the Browns. But uh, no, no official injury report just yet uh, from them, but th- those are really the two guys we're keeping an eye on. What are the COVID protocols for the team where there will be fans in the stands this year? Yeah, the Browns are one of the few teams that have fans right now. Uh, They're allowing 6,000 fans in, uh, about 1,500 per, you know, quadrant. They have the stadium divided into four sections. So uh, they're they're letting fans buy tickets and and they're calling them pods of known fans. So family, close friends, things like that. So, uh, you know, it's a 70,000-seat stadium. They're putting about 6,000 people in there. Uh, you know, those 6,000 <laughs> made a pretty good amount of noise on Thursday night, though. How do they go about determining who will get into the stadium for games? Uh, is the is the media pool allowed in, and how do they determine which fans will go in? So the media group is a little reduced. Uh, normally the press box is kind of packed shoulder to shoulder with, with media, and that's certainly not the case this year. We're all spread out in there, so there's – uh, significantly fewer media in attendance, but you know most people are able to to attend if they need to. As far as fans, uh, it's it's kind of goes by season ticket seniority. So the the longest tenured season ticket holders get their first crack at the the earliest games. So that would have been the Cincinnati game on Thursday, and they kind of just go down the list for season ticket holders that haven't opted out. This Browns team is loaded with talent on paper. Uh, but they've got a new coach in Stefanski. I'd assume he's calling the plays this year. Is that right? Yes, he, he is calling the plays. It was a little bit of a drawn-out problem at that point, but uh, he did ultimately decide to call his own plays. How is the team taking to him so far? It, it seems like they're responding pretty well, and he's a guy that comes in, you know, even though he is calling his plays, and he, is, he was the offensive coordinator in Minnesota, and his scheme was a, a big selling point. You know, another big selling point for him was his leadership ability. And I think the, I think the team was impressed with how he guided this team through the offseason, uh, you know, doing everything virtually, dealing with all the COVID protocols from the NFL. Uh, you know, when, when the protests started happening and, and Browns players wanted to get involved and, and take action, he was very open to it. And uh, the organization as a whole helped them do what they wanted to do. Uh, so I think he's made a very strong first impression on his players. And look, it certainly helps that he got his first win on Thursday night because that's that's the strongest impression you can make is to win football games. 
Who did he bring with him as the offensive and defensive coordinator? So he's got Alex Van Pelt, uh, who has been around the league for a little while and was the quarterback's coach in Cincinnati most recently before this year. And you know, he's a guy that is here to kind of help Baker Mayfield redo his footwork and, and get Baker Mayfield back to being the guy we saw at the end of 2018. And, and there was some potential that maybe he would call the plays, but obviously, as I said, Stefanski decided to keep that. But uh, Van Pelt is really charged with getting Baker Mayfield right. On the defensive side, it's Joe Woods. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator in Denver for a year, and then most recently he was the, the uh, secondary coach in San Francisco last year with that defense. So uh, Joe Woods is here running his scheme on the defensive side. I grew up a University of Georgia fan. My grandparents retired there. We're very familiar with the program. You guys got an all-timer in Nick Chubb, don't you? Yes, yes, we do. The uh, He has been as impressive uh, a running back as there is in the NFL. I mean, he really should have won the rushing title last year. Uh, he just really wasn't given the opportunity, especially in the last game of the season against Cincinnati, uh, to kind of rack up the yardage to win that title. But you know, the thing about Chubb is he just kind of puts his head down and he just does what he's supposed to do. And they have Kareem Hunt here, who was a rushing champion in 2017. They're, I don't want to say they're splitting carries because Chubb is getting most of the carries, but he, he's completely unfazed by it. He, you know, he doesn't complain if he doesn't get the football. Uh, he, he just wants this football team to win, and, and he's been the best Browns player here over the last couple of years since he joined the team uh, back in 2018. It helps uh, for Nick Chubb because he was used to that at Georgia. They split carries with a group of running backs down there Uh, to that point. Were you surprised that they gave Kareem Hunt an extension? I'm really not because the the price was right. And he's a guy that wants to be here. Uh, He grew up in the area uh, before he went to uh, the university of Toledo and got drafted by Kansas city. You know, even though it's a new GM, John Dorsey is the guy that obviously drafted him in KC and and gave him his second chance here in Cleveland. Uh, he, He, I think he's still grateful to the organization that he was given that second chance and I think he understands what it means for him to be here. So I think for the Browns, they looked at this as kind of a win-win. You get him at a low cost. The, the contract is very low risk if he does have a misstep and, and you need to move away from him. And it gives you a little security. Nick Chubb is going to be a free agent after 2021. Uh, Hunt's contract takes you past that a little bit. So it gives you a little bit of security uh, when it comes time to decide how much you want to pay Nick Chubb. It's reasonable to say he took a home down, hometown discount, right? I, I would think so. <laughs> you know, and again, Kareem Hunt is here because of circumstance. And, you know, in, yeah. a, in an alternate universe, if that stuff didn't happen, he'd be one of these running backs signing a giant extension right now. You know, for him, that didn't happen. So he comes home, he finds a little stability, and I think he understands the situation he's in. And, and I think he's just happy to be back playing football. Washington fans have been begging for an Joku trade for years, it seems. Why hasn't he caught on in Cleveland? And have they been unwilling to trade him, or have they just not received the appropriate value? You know, I was a little surprised back in July when, when he demanded that trade request. I think it was July 3rd. And, and I give the Browns front office credit because they've done nothing but, but show support since they showed up. They picked up his fifth-year option, uh, and, and they've – been nothing but supportive and they basically said to Najoku and Drew Rosenhaus we're not going to move you and and they decided to keep him here now the frustrating thing is he comes out in Baltimore and, and plays a really nice game against the Ravens one of the few Browns that you can say that about 
uh, made three catches, two really, really spectacular catches plus a touchdown catch. And then he gets hurt. So now he's going to miss a little bit of time. And that's sort of been the rub with Njoku. He, he's either had injure, uh, issues with injury or he's had trouble with his hands and hasn't been able to catch the ball consistently. It just hasn't all come together for him yet. And we're going into year four. And look, if that Baltimore game was any indication, maybe this is the year it happens for him. But, you know, it's, it's still kind of a long road for him to be the tight end, I think they envisioned uh, when, when Sashi Brown, two GMs ago, believe it or not, made him a first-round pick in 2017. What does the fan base think of Baker Mayfield? I, I think they still have faith in him. And, and, you know, a game like he had against Cincinnati certainly helps. Uh, but they saw what he did at the end of 2018. And, and this fan base is so starved for any success and, and also so starved for a quarterback that when he showed those signs of life when they finished 5-3 and three that season, you know, they, they really grabbed onto that. And, and a lot of them, I think, believe last year was an outlier. There, there were coaching issues. You know, maybe the team bought into the hype a little bit too much. But Browns fans still believe that he can be their franchise quarterback. And, and they believe that they have the right coach and system now to, to get him where he needs to be. You know, are some of them maybe a little shaken uh, by what they saw last year? Yes, but they, they definitely want to believe in an embrace Baker. Let's just say we're familiar with the backup quarterback in Cleveland. What does the front office think about Baker Mayfield and how long is his leash this season? I, I think his leash is long. Uh, obviously they brought in Case Keenum. He's a guy that knows Kevin Stefanski, uh, knows his system well. Um, you know, but I don't think he was brought in to necessarily take this job from Baker Mayfield. Now, is he a pretty nice insurance policy? Of course, because he's a guy that can start games. He's a guy that can, can run the offense. He's not spectacular. You're, you're not going to build your franchise around him. But he's a guy that if you absolutely need him, he can come in and, and you kind of know what you're going to get. Uh, but I think the leash is long with Baker. I think they're trying to really build this thing around him and, and show that he can be their quarterback for a long time. The team has spent a lot of resources on the offensive line the couple last couple of years. You've got a great offensive line coach that we're also familiar with in Callahan. Right. They'll be they'll be tried on Sunday. What have you thought about that line so far? I, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see this matchup on Sunday because the line has been I don't want to say a surprise because they did make those investments to make it better, uh, but based on what has been the last you know especially last year. They really needed to make those investments. It's been a little bit of a surprise how good, just how good they've been, you know, because you have a guy in Jedrick Wills who's a rookie. He's never played left tackle before. He played right tackle at Alabama. Now he's playing left tackle. He's off to a good start. You didn't quite know what you were going to get out of your right guard position, uh, but, you know, Wyatt Teller has, has been over there and he's been really good at, at right guard. So, you know, you, you pair that with, you know, having Jack Conklin at right tackle and then a couple of veterans and J.C. Treader and Joel Batonio on the inside. And it's really worked out well for this team. And I mean, that's probably the, the big matchup to watch on Sunday is how that offensive line deals with this pass rush. Yeah, from from both angles, I'm not excited to see Miles Garrett going up against Jerron Christian this Sunday. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, what, what, what was Conklin's injury? Uh, you know, I, I believe it was an ankle off the top of my head. I, I, I can't exactly remember. I believe it was a finger and an ankle. So I think it was kind of a, a double whammy for Conklin. Uh, now he was dressed on Thursday. I don't know if that was a numbers game because they just didn't have enough inactive slots or if they really believed they could put him out there in an emergency. 
Uh, but I don't think it's anything serious, especially because this year you can put guys on the IR and bring them back after three games. So, you know, the fact that he's, he's still out there and I, you know, I would imagine he'll be at practice at some point this week, I would hope. Um, I'm not real concerned about Conklin long-term, but, but we'll see what Sunday brings. Getting back to Miles Garrett, that defensive line is pretty darn good too. What kind of front are they using in, in, with the new defensive coordinator? They're using a four-man front, which, you know, Joe Woods is actually more of a, a 3-4 guy, but he came in and he looked at the personnel and, and he said, look, this is a, a 4-3 team. Uh, they, you mentioned Miles Garrett, and, and he had probably, uh, you know, the biggest play of the game on Thursday night when he strip-sacked Joe Burrow, and, and the Browns turned that into a touchdown after they had failed to convert uh, on a fourth and goal. So, uh, you know, Miles is, you know, just signed a big extension. I, I still think there's a step Miles can take to be even better and, and kind of put himself in that conversation with, you know, the great defensive players, guys that win defensive player of the year, and I know that's something he wants to do. Uh, on the other side, Olivier Vernon, if he's healthy, can help you, but health has just always been a concern with him, especially over the last few seasons. And then on the inside, you've got Larry Ogunjobi, uh, fourth-year guy, certainly has flashes here and there and, and has the ability to have a really strong game. And Sheldon Richardson, who John Dorsey signed last offseason, has come in and <laughs> done nothing but play really hard for this team. And he had one of his best games on Thursday night. So if, if this defense does anything, it starts with the front four. I'm a huge fan of Sheldon Richardson. I noted that when you guys signed him last year, what a big deal I thought that was. Um, is Denzel Ward a top 10 cornerback yet? Man, I have so much trouble judging cornerbacks, but I, I think he's in the conversation if he's not. And, and, you know, you look what he did against A.J. Green on Thursday night. He was really good. Um, you know, the, the issue with Ward has just been injury. His rookie season ended when he had two concussions. Uh, he pulled a hamstring last year and missed four games. But when he's been on the field, he's been really good. You know, is he a top 10 quarterback? I think he is, you know, but that's just kind of saying that without sitting down and, and listing guys off. Uh, but, but I've been really happy with what Denzel Ward has brought, a, a guy that the Browns picked number four overall. And I think he's lived up to that so far. Uh, does he travel? Will he travel with McLaurin on Sunday in, in the current defense? You know, it's it's been a mixed bag. It, it seemed like he was traveling with A.J. Green a lot uh, on Thursday night. So I would imagine uh, that, that they're going to continue to do that, especially because the rest of that, that secondary is a little suspect. And, uh, you know, they have Terrence Mitchell, who's been starting over there, and he played well on Thursday, and, and they might be getting Greedy Williams back. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, put the two Ohio State guys on each other and let's go. I agree. Uh, I agree with you. I, I was looking up, uh, getting ready for this. Terrence Williams has been playing pretty good, has he not? Yeah, he, he's been good. And, and he's a guy that, that kind of came out of nowhere a couple years ago and, and won a starting job, you know, got hurt. And, and then when they drafted Greedy Williams, uh, they, they gave that starting job to Williams. But, but Terrence Mitchell is a guy, he's just sort of a veteran who knows how to get on the field, knows what he's supposed to do. And honestly, he has a little bit of a nose for the football. Uh, you know, back in 2018, when he first had that starting job, in a couple games, he forced some fumbles, came up with an interception. Uh, he, he's a guy that, for whatever reason, can get his hands on the football and, and make some plays. I really like him. You know, I like him as a starter, but I just like having him as a depth piece as well. Uh, to that end, uh, if Greedy Williams and Mac Wilson are both healthy, do you think they'll go straight into the starting lineup or they'll use them for depth this week, then give them another week to try to get healthy? 
you know, I think if Mac Wilson is 100%, he'll get out there. I, I don't think there's any – there's no one really in this linebacking core holding him back. I, I think he would get out there. I think Greedy is a guy that, you know, I, I don't think anything is guaranteed right now, especially because, like we said, Mitchell is playing really well. Uh, so I, I don't think there's any guarantee that Greedy would necessarily be out there starting. But just based on need alone, I think you've got to have uh, Mac Wilson out there a lot on, on Sunday if he's able to go. Mac Wilson has star potential, doesn't he? You know, I think he does. He's got that Alabama pedigree. He's really raw. You know, I liked some of what I saw last year at the same time. You know, I, I think he, he got a little over-aggressive at times and, and found himself out of position. Uh, but but he's got a lot of those athletic traits that you love. And, and again, former GM John Dorsey loves athleticism. And, and he loves those athletic traits. And, and that's what he bases a lot of his drafting on. So when he picked Mac Wilson in the fifth round, I think he knew he was getting a guy who was pretty raw. And look, this new front office comes in, and uh, they didn't really do a ton to address the position. They, they drafted Jacob Phillips at LSU, but they decided to go into this thing with Mac Wilson as a key point. So you know, obviously he's a guy that they at least like a little bit. Speaking of uh, Alabama guys, you traded for Ronnie Harrison basically for a ham sandwich. The team must have been ecstatic to get him in on the super cheap also. Is he starting? So he hasn't played much, and, and I think a big part of that is, is they made that trade right before cut-down day, uh, you know, and then they had the two games in, four, in five days. So they just haven't really been able to get him out on the field. Now, with 10 days off, I would hope that they're able to get him up to speed and get him out there because the safety position has been an issue. Uh, you know, I, I really liked this trade because you gave up a fifth round pick and, you know, look, worst case scenario, he comes here and it doesn't work out, but best case scenario, maybe he comes here. He's really good. And you've got a guy that you can pair with Grant Delpit for a long time in that, in that secondary. Uh, so, so I liked the trade and I'm curious to see what Ronnie Harrison can do. And uh, you know, he should be ready to take on more of a role in this defense uh, starting on Sunday. With Delpit out for the year, who are the two star, uh, safeties back there? So it's uh, Carl Joseph, who they signed away from Oakland, a former first-round pick. And then uh, Andrew Sandejo, who came over from Minnesota. Uh, obviously, Kevin Stefanski knows well. And what was interesting was even when Delpit was, was playing, you know, they were going to use him as more of a hybrid guy. So he was going to play, you know, some nickel. He was going to play kind of up some box safety. I think they were going to run some three-safety sets. So... Uh, that's something to keep an eye on with Ronnie Harrison as well. That, you know, maybe him being on the field doesn't mean one of those two guys aren't, uh, but it gives you a little more versatility in that defense to run a, a little more three safety and, and do some interesting things like that. All right, Dan, in order for the home team to win, give us a couple keys to victory. Uh, well, I, I think one of the big keys, and, and just kind of based on what I've seen from Washington so far, is. You know, you can't give up field position, right? You don't want to let Washington get short drives. You want to make them try and drive the length of the field. And special teams has been a little bit of an issue for the Browns, especially in the kick return game. So they've got to be able to cover those kicks. Uh, but really, it, it comes down to that matchup that we talked about earlier. The offensive line has to protect. The offensive line has to keep Chase Young and company off of Baker Mayfield, make sure that he's comfortable in the pocket and able to throw the football. And it's also going to help that they can turn around and hand the ball off to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt a lot. So I think it's just controlling the pass rush and controlling that line of scrimmage in the run game. That, that might be where this game gets decided. Want to give us an early score prediction? Ooh, an early, I haven't thought of a score prediction yet, but I'll make up one on the spot. So I, I, I am going to pick, I am going to pick the Browns to win. Uh, I'm going to say 27 to 
Actually, you know what? Let's go 24 to 17. Okay. Dan Lobby from Cleveland.com. Tell the people where they can find you and uh, if you got anything coming up. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Cleveland.com slash Browns. We also have a podcast called the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. We're putting one up every day and, and writing new content every day. So check all that out. Dan, thank you so much. Dan Lobby, everybody. Thank you.